My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com. Today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, who you can find writing about video games over at ComicBook.com. Today, I have an interview with Asteroid City stars Scarlett Johansson and Jason Schwartzman. That will be at the end of the show. We will also be breaking down the first episode of Secret Invasion, which has been making tons of headlines for reasons other than the show itself. But first, we are going to be reviewing Extraction 2, which hit Netflix last Friday. I had a chance to share some of my big picture thoughts last week. So, Kate, I would love to hear what you thought about what is probably going to wind up being in Netflix's top 10-ish most uh, all-time viewed films. Yeah, this movie fucking rips. Like, I, I enjoyed the first one uh, a, a decent amount. Uh, and I think that was probably because it was like COVID, like peak COVID, where there was nothing going on. You couldn't go to the movie theaters. This was like the best thing you could get. And um, the second one just ups the ante. Like, I was enjoying it. And then that Molotov hits Chris Hemsworth's fucking hands and he starts beating the shit out of people with flaming hands. I'm like, this is the best movie ever made. Like it doesn't, it doesn't get any better than this. You know, you can, you can say all you want about how, you know, gimmicky the 20 minute one shot quote unquote is, but it works. It works. They pull, I mean, that's not easy to do what they did. Like, even if it is a bunch of stuff stitched together, that shit is sick and chris hemsworth like is an I, awesome I, actor i feel like saying that a one take is a gimmick is more cliched than one takes themselves off. sure no yeah like, I, I think i agree because um, look like you could i i don't really understand any criticisms of it except for the fact that it's not a genuine one take which okay like sure. fine if you're well, like a hardcore filmmaking snob like that then you love semantics right sure (laughs) but yeah from a a pure like from a pure action execution standpoint i'm not really sure what more you could want from something in this genre and that's why i think it's it's pretty incredible that netflix has found themselves with this franchise because when you think about like the money invested in films like red notice or what else have they uh they had that ryan reynolds film from six underground right that one and they have they have tried to immerse themselves or build their own the gray man the great that's the one the gray man you know they have been trying to engineer an action franchise from scratch for years now and the fact that it came from extraction which is a movie that audience tested in a vague ending because they weren't sure in the first film because they weren't sure how people would receive it to now it's at the point where like one of the big announcements at netflix's comic-con was the third film's coming so yeah. I, I i think that that just speaks to the quality of craftsmanship of this film and that's why i think that Extraction 2 is, in a weird way, I think, like the next evolution of the action genre. That's not me saying that I think it's better than John Wick, which I think is the current like championship belt holder when it comes to these type of films. But my point is that it's sort of building on what John Wick has done. So if you rewind the clock back 10 years to films like The Raid, right? You know what? Let's go back even further, right? The 2000s started and the action genre was largely changed by the Bourne films, where it was, we're going to strip this down. It's going to be shaky cam. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be right in your face. It's going to be quick cutting. And at the time that that worked because 
it felt realer. And then you mm-hmm. saw that in things like uh, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And then you get to like 10 years ago where we get the raid. And the raid basically said, all right, we're going to give you stunning fight choreography, which the shit in the Bourne films was good. But what the raid did was we're going to present it as clearly and as cleanly as possible. It enhances the danger, right? Because if, I mean, you, you have to use your imagination a bit when it's quick cutting, right? You're kind of filling in the gaps there, but you're seeing people for the most part, get really hurt. Like they're, they're doing it as safely as possible, but those guys are coming away with some fucking bruises. It also, I think adds to the, I want to say that the Bourne films feel more realistic in terms of like, Oh, if you were in a fight, this is how it were, how it would feel very frenetic, very chaotic. But with what we've seen over the last 10 years, it is, it's, craft is of such a high level that it's become balletic where Mm -hmm. you are able to see the symphony that is every punch and block and kick so the raid did that and then john wick came along five years or so past and said all right we're gonna do the same thing but instead we're gonna put a movie star you love in that role so Mm -hmm. now we've got the beautiful fight scenes with an action star that we love but with extraction they're taking what wick did but instead of using an actor that we love which again like keanu reeves is now iconic and he was before wick but when wick came out people were like you know reeves is kind of cooked i don't know who wants this who needs this direct to dvd kind of thing right right so it wasn't what extraction is quite doing which what extraction did was all right we're gonna do what the raid did well and we're gonna do what john wick did well but we're gonna fucking have thor star in it right yeah and that feels like an evolution where it's like okay movie stars are now starring in these stripped down action thrillers which although i'm saying it's an advancement of the genre is conversely a reversion to what action films used to be where just absolutely diesel dudes like Arnold and Sly would take on these larger than life hero roles. And just, we would just let them loose on bad guys for two hours. And that's why I think that these films are working so well is that they're balancing the old and the new. Yeah. And I think what extraction does is a lot of the recent action movies that have come in the wake of John wick have tried to emulate John wick with the neon colors, the, club music and all that kind of stuff it does it doesn't work as well you need to find your own entry point in there and i think extraction is just like someone described it as like this feels like a movie from like you know 2011 that you know would probably have someone a little i'd go back even further than that i'm saying like 80s 90s yeah definitely and and it just it it doesn't they've found a way to again back to what you're saying the craft they took that concept of the action star. I mean, like those movies are, we love those movies, but I mean, you go back. But and it's watch. like Arnold from like 30 feet away. It's like yeah. rocket launcher. And then he's throwing yeah. a couple punches and then they'll cut. It's, it's a little cheesy. It's a little corny, but we love it. But yeah. now they found a way to take the stuff that we love about the John Wicks, the raids, the enhancement of that danger and the the dance element of it all and put it into something with the big bulky action man that has a fucking lmg taking on helicopters like he's in fucking doom or something crazy you know it's like that's what i i love and just to the point of the craft like that sort of chris hemsworth fights a chopper thing you know you put that in a 
the rock film right and that likely comes off as absurd and but this is because you have belief in the director and the franchise you're like yes this is absurd but i'm fucking in this is absurd in the right way because tyler rake you know what i would believe that he could his name's tyler rake like that's the kind of guy that's picking up a machine gun to fucking fight helicopters absolutely um and then and then i brought this up in the interview with sam hargrave the directors of the films it's like yes they made things bigger and better but rake himself feels like a more human character they elevate the side to nick and it's either fez or faz or or something which gives tyler rake something to defend other than his own life which he didn't really seem to care about that much in the first film to begin with so it is an elevation of not just what you're showing up for which is i.e the action but it is a better story, a better movie, a better performed film. So with all that said, it's no surprise that Extraction 3 has been confirmed. Cade, what would you like to see from this? I think I trust Hargrave to not go the fast route and to do something too big and too wild. So I'm not going to speak to what I want to see in terms of action. I will say, though, what the franchise has not done yet is cast a star as the heavy. Um, you know, the first film, that guy that sort of Rake goes one-on-one with and eventually teams up with, he's badass. And in this, uh, you know, this Eastern Bloc villain in this film is also a menacing presence. But to really hit the heights of action genre icon status, I think you need to have an iconic villain that you could legitimately believe, oh, Rake might lose this one. Now, I, I think I stole this from either you or B, but someone suggested Henry Cavill. As uh, yeah, the, it must have been Brandon. It wasn't Brandon, me. maybe? Well, B, shouts to you, but I sent it out on Twitter. Sorry, because I just, I don't know. But yeah, I feel like something like that, right? And especially since Cavill is in the Netflix family as is, I yeah. feel like if you go into the third film with Rake <laughs> as the lead, Elba as like the handler slash maybe, you know, bad guy twist, and then Henry Cavill as the heavy, then you have elevated the franchise in a new way again. Yeah, I would love to see that. Um, most uh, it's it's hard to say if they would do it or if Henry Cavill would do it since he already kind of did that with Mission. But like, regardless, I'm I'm there day one if he does it. Um, I don't know what I want to see, like because like you said, the action is like I trust them implicitly to do do right by all of us with that. Um, maybe just throw in some fucking Metallica. You know, just mm. you know, just some like, good music. Uh, <laughs> needle drops. Like, yeah, like yeah, just yeah, some, but like, that cool but that metal. would feel you know, coming off the flash. Um oh, yeah. I'm done with fucking needle drops, to be honest with you. Like I don't and no, I feel yeah, like that would just fair. be very outside the tone of this franchise. That is now the only thing I have to say. Now a uh a tweet that you had is what inspired me to put this prompt in here. Yes. So I will let you start. What do you want to see Hargrave do next? Because we know that he's gonna direct extraction three. This feels like a trilogy franchise. Hemsworth mm-hmm. is pushing 40. You figure they get the third one out within the next three years. Is he in his 30s? I, I think he's like 39. He might be like, wow. 40. yeah, he's, he's right. Way there. younger how, than I expected just because he's been around. How old is he? 39. Yeah. Okay. So the way Sam Hargrave described <laughs> Hemsworth's feeling about the franchise is that he loves the fact that he has a non MCU thing going for him. Yeah. So 
as long as Hemsworth is down, I think that they'll keep making these. Fuck yeah. But let's just assume that Hargrave taps out at the third, right? Sure. Go ahead. What would you like to see him do next? I would love to see him do a Call of Duty movie. They've been kicking the idea around of a Call of Duty movie for the longest time. It's It only makes sense. I've talked about a Call of Duty movie on here before, probably. Um, but like, it's a very cinematic franchise. It pulls from Michael Bay and all these great action directors. So it only makes sense for them to take that and then apply it to either a miniseries or, or a movie, whatever it may be. Um, and this guy has the juice for it. He has like the right amount of like, tacticalness you know so it's still a little grounded but also the scale is big enough for you to be like yeah this is real fucking cinema right here we are you know put the adrenaline into my veins pump me full of it um and even like uh captain price is a character in the games and he's british but i know uh hemsworth is australian but i was like man i would love to see this guy as captain price or even Henry Cavill, he fits that. I mean, you take the mustache and all that stuff. He fits. He's British. Well, and- <laughs> Henry Cavill is sort of doing something like that. Guy Richie's next film. I think it's the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. I think it's like a World War One or two film where sure. he seems to be taking on that sort of uh, commander esque role. It's funny that you bring up COD because I was going through our old tweets. I punched in Hargrave at Postgred Pod, and I really wish I had done this before I spoke to Sam. But he was previously announced as being attached to two Jake Gyllenhaal projects, one of which would see Jake play Medal of Honor recipient John Chapman in a film called Combat Control. Is it a true story? Let's hit the, I assume so. There's a the name Google. Yeah, yeah, true. Right, so yeah. that's a true story. Obviously, Call of Duty <laughs> is not. But yeah, a, that's basically, do we want to IP this or not? You know yeah. what I mean? That's, and then the other Jake Gyllenhaal project that he was um attached to was an adaptation of the graphic novel profit quote mm-hmm. john profit volunteers for a german experiment during world war ii after a bombing buries him alive and traps him underground for 20 years he reawakens in 1965 that sounds and he was, cool and he was also linked to a project called stay frosty with idris elba after surviving a bullet to the head a man must figure out who wants him dead and why and needs to stop the assassin while still making it home to spend Christmas with his son. That sounds now, fun. I really wish I had fucking researched this before I spoke to him because I would have loved to have been like, yo, what's good with these? Because yeah. I've not heard a word about these since. Do you you don't remember off the top of your head when these were announced? I just Googled they were 2021. So like okay. I guess when it wasn't when they weren't as sure that like extraction was gonna turn into a franchise. I'm not really sure, but I like our Twitter account reported on him being attached to three different films, none of which are going to be his next film. Right. Yeah. I assume Extraction 3 is probably the next one, right? Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, that is all of those sound really fucking cool. And he sounds like the guy to do those and make them fun. Um, Yeah. Let's see those. Jake Gyllenhaal and Sam Hargrave would be a match made in heaven i mean yeah. we, we love jake joe and hall here on the post cred pod and yeah, we do we, and i we, feel like sam could be his stunt double <laughs> did you did you watch uh the covenant yet no no yeah, you should that movie's great is it streaming or i believe rental? i believe it's uh it it's on it was on amazon in like canada when it came out it didn't have a theatrical release gotcha. there, so it's probably going to be on amazon at some point this year in america i'll check gotcha Gotcha. He's he's got the juice. This is a guy that's gonna be, you know, who's the um David Leach, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I don't yeah. feel like he really took off. Like he did Bullet Train, I think. Yeah. And yes, but uh, so he did Atomic Blonde, which yeah, people really liked. But yeah, since then I feel like he hasn't. I I feel like it's since become clear that Chad Stahelski is the guy. Yes, exactly what I was going for. It's like doesn't feel like anyone's really gotten there. Like. Uh, they're jumping off point quite like Chad has. And I would like to see more guys like that. And I think Sam Hargrave has, has the potential for that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to break down the premiere episode of secret invasion. This episode is brought to you by visit Williamsburg in Williamsburg, Virginia. There's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, folks, we are back. We are breaking down the first episode of Secret Invasion, which hit Disney Plus on Wednesday, June 21st. But before we talk about the episode itself, I want to talk about the hype and buildup going into it. This is a show that stars... Samuel Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, Olivia Coleman, Amelia Clark, Kingsley Be- or Ben Kingsley Adir, Kingsley Ben Adir, I'm not sure which it is. And I feel like in terms of general cultural conversation, this might be the least hyped talked about MCU Disney Plus show yet. I will say they had like a really cool marketing uh like campaign. Did they though? Like it sucked in terms of probably reach, but like the <laughs> idea of like, oh, you know, go to this website and there's gonna be conspiracy. I'm like, I like that stuff. That's that fun. That stuff is cool. I like little ARGs. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I didn't know. I knew it was coming out sometime this summer. I was like, I don't know when the fuck it's coming out. I didn't know it was coming out till this week until yesterday. <laughs> I so, was like, yeah, I literally hit you up. I was like, oh, by the way, Secret Invasion tomorrow. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll watch that. Um, So, yeah, it's just like... I know, it's right, because the cast alone and the premise, you're like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, there was a there was a thought out there post-Guardians 3 with this being the next thing. There was a moment in time where we were like, are we back? Are we fucking back? Yeah. I don't think we're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, combine this and then what's the next thing? Um, Loki is in, like, October. and I think Yeah, the Marvels, the Marvels in the November. Um, yeah, none of this gets me very excited. Is Disney Plus to blame? Like, is the whole concept caving in on itself? I think so. Even Loki season two, which is consensus to be the best MCU Disney Plus show so far, is a dicey prospect right now. Yes. Yes. I, 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 the fucking prospect of Disney Plus's whole thing, like, has been pretty dead for me for over a year if not yeah. longer than that probably since we started doing this show i <laughs> think what that they failed to realize is that the key to creating a backlog of just endless shit is having it not be new the problem is that they are mm. trying to invent the backlog of stuff it's like because you think right it's like why wouldn't you tune into a marvel show with samuel and all of them and yeah. in hindsight it's like yeah of course i'll throw that on but in the moment it's marvel's big thing this is what they've got to sell us and so i think there's a disconnect of trying to fill out their catalog but also make compelling blockbuster in the moment content and that has been why i think this 
experiment has failed and why something like WandaVision when I don't want to say the gimmick, but the nuance of it was fresh, right? But now that it's sort of a well-worn thing, these don't feel like events. They feel like stuff that's just meant to exist on Disney Plus in the background for you to find years later, but you're watching it week to week. Yeah, and it doesn't help that Marvel... This is the problem with creating a cinematic universe. You can only, as things get bigger and bigger and start to expand and you start to have these different characters in different corners and you're starting to do these different ideas that don't necessarily all overlap. um, You can't dedicate all of your time. So like the fucking scrolls thing was introduced in like what, 2019. I think that's when Captain Marvel came out, right? 2019. Yeah. And then, uh, or maybe, no. Was that before Endgame? Yes. Or, yes. Okay, okay. Because yeah. she showed up in that film. That's right. And then, she, yes, her her little pager was an Infinity War at the end, but she wasn't introduced yet. So right. That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, the scrolls were introduced in 2019. It is 2023, and we have not seen them outside of a post credit scene in Far From Home in 2019 as well. They have just completely left those things to the side. We have, no, I, I completely forgot. Like, I thought they were like cool. I thought that was the whole thing was like, there was kind of a twist there. Like, yeah, in I that thought we movie. were bros. Yeah. Like, literally, I thought, like, I remember in that movie, uh, like, because the scrolls are iconic villains in Marvel comics. But then in that movie, I was like, oh, they're like not that bad, I guess, or something like that. And then I, I've completely put that movie out of my memory. So <laughs> I may be completely wrong. But, um, it, it was just like, I don't even know what the fuck's going on. Why are they here? Why are they so angry? Like, what is the whole point of this? And it's just, they have created this universe where they can't expand on their ideas quickly enough, I think, too. So these oh. things just get drawn out. Is that, am I making any sense? Well, <laughs> in a way, right? You're saying that they're trying to pick up a plot thread from years ago that they haven't touched on, right? Exactly, yeah. What movie did Nick Fury show up in the post credit scene where it's like, oh, he's in space. Is that, that far from home. Oh, that was far from home. Okay. Yeah. So in a, in a sense, you're right. But on the flip side of that, I think that a problem it currently faces is that it feels very rushed, right? Yeah. The world ending scroll events, like they're trying <laughs> to tell you, hey, if the scrolls pull this off, we're doomed. That's meant to be the dramatic engine of the show is introduced and explained in a five minute kitchen table scene yes. where they do the classic cliche computer screen where they're like here's the villains here's the locations here's what they want that feels more ai than the fucking ai generated (laughs) credits okay so they are doing that and this is one of the first scenes of the show when you have all these fucking awesome actors sharing a screen this is one of the first scenes and they're doing that to catch people up who aren't invested in years worth like you just said of plot details and scroll movements and mcu lore and so that is why it feels so dulled rounded muted gray there's just something about this premiere to me that lacked energy yeah and it's not even that i'm not necessarily invested in the idea of scrolls it's just like there in that time since the scrolls were introduced we had the fucking conclusion of thanos like that was a month after captain marvel came out right was the whole conclusion of that 
Then we had the introduction of Kang earlier this year. We've had some other like miscellaneous things that are setting up other little things with fucking Hercules and whatever the hell Charlize Theron is doing in Doctor Strange and tons of other fucking shit. And I'm just like, there is so many different. Hold directions. on, let's just throw out more. Harry Styles at the yeah. end of <laughs> Eternals. Yeah. Brett Goldstein at the end of Thor yeah, Four. Insane. Yeah. Uh, Who is fucking driving the ship right now? I don't know. It's like, (laughs) and I don't have a problem with like not having answers right now, but they are, they are setting up so many different things, planting so many different seeds. It's like all these seeds are planting different fucking forests. Like that is the whole thing. It's like, what are we, where are we going? Because I don't even know anymore. Like, it's just, there's too many different things. And I have a hard time believing these all intersect. And again, I don't necessarily need them to intersect, but when you drop something for so long and then expect to come back to it and be like, I'm still interested, I don't know if that works. You know, I put out a tweet this week. We are, I think, five years away from being making a solid trilogy of superhero films being the sole goal. I don't think that the superhero genre bubble is going to burst. I think the connect universe (laughs) bubble is going to burst. We're at 15 years now of storytelling. In this show, they reference the blip, which is an event that culminates with Iron Man, who's a character that's dead, that was introduced in 2008. Mm -hmm. The weight of it, even for professionals like us, is becoming too grand. And what happens when there is all this world building and world connecting and world jumping to do is you wind up with performers like Ben Mendelsohn, who I think is one of the most exciting actors we have, being boring as fucking hell. And seems like he's sleepwalking through the fucking thing. Yeah, everyone, there's a great cast in the show. and Amazing! I I think the only one that I'm actually semi-interested in, like, in terms of what they're actually doing, is probably Samuel L. Jackson. But even then, it's kind of like he's not where he was in other projects. So... I don't even know what to feel about that. <laughs> Who is this for? I don't I don't know. Well, like conceptually- I mean, and you didn't watch Andor, but like there were reports going in that this was going to yeah. be the MCU's Andor, right? This is going to be a heady, boiled down, stripped back, real whose side are you on type story. And mm-hmm. based on part one of six, that couldn't be further from the truth. The dialogue would make Tony Gilroy's skin <laughs> rip right off his body yeah it's it's very dry i think is like because if you watch if you i've watched uh, enough of andor to know what it is again i'm just really busy i don't i love that show it it is very good uh but the uh you get to the jail stuff with circus yes okay i think so yeah yeah like bro what are we talking about like that like that is stuff yeah like that's storytelling of the highest order that's fucking blasphemous to put this show in the same sentence as that one. It is. Yeah. It's like the the look of Andor is very like drab, but it's like done with purpose. This is a bleak world and these people are fighting for the return of hope. And this show is just like, we're going to be dark and gray. And it's like the, the MCU has done a similar idea to this, not Andor necessarily, but like the political thriller with fucking the Winter Soldier, right? And they did that in a way more stylistically interesting way. Um, it's not exactly jumping off the screen colors or anything, but it's just like the paranoid thriller idea has been done and it was done very well there. And then you, you see this and it's just like, 
you're not you're not selling me here. I mean, the last 10 minutes of this episode are pretty strong, in my opinion, when they're looking for the bombs. And I thought, oh, seeing these people walk behind things and then someone else jumps out and they're like smiling. It's like, that's really creepy and really interesting. But um, and then obviously there's a death. I don't know if we're going to spoil it, but there is a death that happens. And I was like, oh, wow, that was that was really well done. But I don't know. I do not agree, but we really. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on, though, to the next big talking point of the episode, and that is the AI-generated intro. Now, Kate, I actually think that you're probably better prepared to speak to this than me, because I feel like gaming might have been ahead of the curve on this one, or no? Like, I like has the gaming world been using this tech? What is the conversation around AI and gaming, or just the idea of a computer generating something? Yeah, you're familiar with the game No Man's Sky, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That game... This whole the whole pitch back then when it was coming out was this is a procedurally generated world that means this game is going to have infinite content and then it came out and it was the most boring fucking thing in the world <laughs> and yeah. at that time nobody was scared of ai in, in this creative sense they were like oh like that sounds really cool that could be so awesome and interesting and then you play it and like it's just the same shit just kind of like moved around in different places and it was really boring and they've they've gotten better over time but it's actually because more people started working on it and doing handmade stuff in that game. So yeah, AI has always been a, a part of gaming and, and, you know, populating worlds with trees and bushes and all kinds of stuff, but nothing to quite what we see here where they have recreate or not recreate. They've created the entire intro sequence using AI. And when you're looking at it, there's this weird thing that I've been seeing with AI videos where like everything is like constantly moving. Like every little detail is moving and shifting and shaping. And like, I get it for, it looks like, have you ever seen scary movie two or three where, or the one that makes fun of the ring and the, person has a swirl face in uh the photo and they're like oh my god they're like no no no, it's fine that's jim and then it cuts to the gym whatever and his face is really like that that is all ai art yes that's such a perfect description very niche description but i love it that's what you come to postgrad (laughs) it's the weirdest fucking thing and even at the end of the interest sequence i believe it's supposed to be earth there is a planet and it's just a blob it doesn't even look like anything it's just a fucking sphere with no color and it's like what are we doing why well so i want to start this is not my take this is not the way that i feel but in defense of it the cell that they're trying to put out there is that they're trying to create the uncanny unsettling feeling that comes with air and not knowing what's real or what's not which is the theme of the show i get that but there is no reason you can't hire regular artists to do that (laughs) People and I think that, <laughs> and I think that the optics of this are are just insane. The, right, the timing is terrible. First and foremost, we're days removed from the whole flash thing. Okay, <laughs> yeah. like I don't know if they could have predicted that or what, but the fact that this is all going down in the same week, I like put up a meme where that like soldier shields someone from like knives. <laughs> That's Marvel. They were like, don't worry, we got you, DC. Like, so there's that, right? There is the fact that Hollywood is currently on strike with the writers largely concerned about AI stealing their jobs. Okay, that's another terrible look. And then there's the fact that Marvel is usually at the fucking nexus of all these articles and reports about how VFX houses are overworked and Mm -hmm. underpaid. So you combine all of this and it is just such a miscalculation 
that for a brand that's already struggling, this might honestly be enough for people to be like, fuck this. I, I doubt enough people have the balls to do so, but the reaction I think is stronger than Marvel probably thought it would be. I want to know there is like w- at least one, there's probably a few companies that do just strictly these like title sequences for TV shows like Game of Thrones, True Detective, yada, yada, yada. And I know they've done some of these Marvel shows too. I want to know what the fuck they think because I'm sure they're like, you've been hiring us for all your shows and now you go around and make this ugly piece of shit with AI. What the fuck's that about? Like, I don't know if there's any comments out there quite yet, but I'm sure there will be because I mean, I I think for better or worse, a lot of people look at those uh, title sequences, like give or take, like the title sequence of a show can be like one of the best parts of a TV show. Like, you know, Sopranos, Daredevil, Game of Thrones, True Detective, like I said, Mad Men. Don't fucking cite Thrones. Listen, I don't don't fucking act like you've seen Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Don't steal Thrones fans' valor. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, House of the Dragon. I watched one episode of House of the Dragon. I can see it. Um, So, yeah, it's just like those are works of art, and you're just coming in here and just like, fuck you. That's terrible. It's insulting. Yeah, I mean, I will be fascinated to see sort of, uh, I'm sure it's going to remain in the show, but like, you know, is this going to explode to the point? where they put out a statement or you know i just i cannot be- i mean no i can believe it but i don't want to <laughs> yeah it's yeah. just it's, i it's, mean it especially it just feels like like you've said like there is a um oh, what's the word assembly line for these kinds of productions and you know people at uh, these car factories have been like oh my god the robots are going to take our jobs assembling these cars and now it's like moving that way to the fucking entertainment that we love and it's just not good it's again if i can watch that and just be like what why does nick fury have two eye patches why does why does the planets have no like distinguishing like identifiers on it what is happening why yeah. did you make it that way yeah i don't know it's a problem All right, and then the final thing that I want to touch on from the premiere is the ending. Now, if you've not seen the premiere episode of Secret Invasion, spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning, this is your final warning. The episode ends with longtime MCU stalwart slash red shirt background character Maria Hill apparently dying. We honestly don't know with a show like this. Kate, you said that you liked it. I did not at all. I think that the moment lacks any gravity due to my complaints about the script feeling very thin and very exposition heavy. Maria Hill was barely in the episode at all. We don't really know how she's thinking and feeling these days enough to have her sudden death really hit home. We know virtually nothing about her killer other than the fact that he's an evil scroll. I feel that that the technical way the scene was shot, much like the episode itself, felt weirdly muted and subdued and disjointed. And it also feels like a cheap way for Marvel to sell the show, to be like, hey, look, we killed somebody. It's serious. You better check this out. So I think thematically, emotionally, the idea of Maria Hill dying, thinking that her best friend, her ally, her boss, Nick Fury killing her is very resonant and impactful. But the way it was executed was wildly, just like most of the show so far, wildly underwhelming 
Sure. Yeah, I can I can definitely get on board with that. That's what I was talking about. It was just like uh, Nick Fury killing her and she has to die thinking it was him. But ironically, now that you've said all of that, it, I, I thought about this already, but like you think about Logan, Professor Xavier dies thinking Wolverine killed him because uh, the bald Wolverine kills him. Yes, but and we have it's 15 plus years worth say. of knowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It, that whole movie is like there's a you know fractured relationship there already and they're growing and connecting and, and just at that scene before that where the did the dinner table and they're happy and then he tucks xavier in and then the last thing he sees is wolverine comes in and xavier saying some sweet things to him and then and it's like oh yeah fuck yeah definitely not the same level of impact here with that um i i do i i it worked for me on some level but I do think like I don't care. I saw someone call her a major character in the Marvel universe. I'm like, she hasn't been in a fucking Marvel project since 2019. I'm pretty sure. Maybe give me a fucking break, dude. She's just there to be like, oh my god, Nick, what are we gonna do? Yeah, she's always <laughs> been. She's never been like a character. She's just there to like do action with Nick Fury. And like, you could not tell me any like actual like distinguishing qualities about her. I. I don't think yeah. there really are any. Uh, so well, she's human <laughs> and she likes the law. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of characters in the Marvel universe. <laughs> All right, so I mean, Secret Invasion. I'm going to continue to watch because I enjoy it. You're going to continue to watch because I'm going to make you. Yep. <laughs> Other than that, you know, I am holding out faith that it is going to rebound. I think that the cast is too good for it to remain entirely uncompelling. But in terms of like, as I said, the cast, the comic book run that this is based on, the marketing, like you said, which was thematically strong, I was insanely let down by this. And and it's a particular bummer considering the fact that it's off the heels of Guardians 3 when we were all like, oh, fuck, you know, they could be back on course here. But now it feels like we're stuck in that same sort of treadmill of just straight mediocrity that the MCU has been stuck on for the last two years or so. Yeah, it, it it's a bummer. There's nothing here that jumps out as like, yeah, we need this story. This is what the MCU needed. This is a really different, like, yes, it feels different in the sense that it's just fucking boring and gray, <laughs> but that's not a good different, right? It just feels like, I don't know, it, it lacks the energy that something like this needs. Like, I don't feel paranoid or scared for these characters. It just yeah. doesn't doesn't do anything for me. All right, let's take another quick break, and then we're going to swing over to my interview with Asteroid City stars Scarlett Johansson and Jason Schwartzman. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, folks, if you can't already tell, today I am joined from left to right by Jason (laughs) Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson, the stars of Wes Anderson's new film, Asteroid City. Congrats on it, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank Thank you. you. Scarlett, this is your first film with Wes, and Jason, I believe this is your eighth. Uh, Were there any moments where that divide in relative experience showed itself? 
whether that be in a good or bad way, because I imagine working on a West film has a very particular way of doing things in terms of tone and cadence and all that stuff. Um, well, I had the opportunity to work a, a little bit with Wes before um, in Isle of Dogs. And so I was familiar with his directing style a little. I mean, obviously, I don't have I'm, I'm not playing a dog in this movie. But maybe in the next one. Wait, um, what? But um, <laughs> um, no. But I, uh, you know, I, I was aware of his sort of how, how he likes to communicate, and um, he also is, you know, he has a certain, I think, music musicality in his mm. way of, you know, in the kind of intonation of his dialogue and how he hears it in his mind, um, and he gives he gives performance notes that are both uh, dramatic notes. And then also some of it is just for tempo and pacing, that kind of thing. Um, And, you know, it's, it's, he's very, um, but he's, he's very, very clear with his direction and he is very engaging and he loves actors and he loves the process of how the scene develops over, you know, many, many takes. And I, I, I like that process too. I, I, you know, I, I find that I like to work a scene a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was not, it was great for me. And I, I don't know. Do you Same. I mean, even though it's different, too different, it's same. And that's what I love about it. And that's what it's like. One of the main things I took notes of Working was most scene. of your guys' scenes, particularly some of your most intimate scenes, take place in separate rooms, separated by, I don't know, six-ish feet or so. What were some of the most unexpected challenges and rewarding parts of that? Those damn flies. The flies. Remember those flies? <laughs> Great. What, what? What was that? I don't know. There was a time of day, or when did they come? You know, it's I don't. They would come at the yes, yes. Certain time of day. You're right, time of day. We had these black flies that yes. infested yes. the set. I don't know if it was like you know, obviously it's something to do with like the temperature and the wind and the pressure of the air, whatever it is. And they would just come, <laughs> and it was they were so loud and so annoying. So it, it was. It was obscene. It was a lot. It, it was, was yes. You full, were attacked. You were. You would be completely kamikaze by these black flies. And, and you would like try to do like you would watch Scarlett do a scene and like a fly would like land on her nose it and just, she's doing the scene and she's trying not to. She's trying to be really professional and she's doing this incredible job, hoping the fly is going to leave. But at some point, relentless. it's pretty clear the fly is just like going to hang out there for a little bit. So then it's like, now do I do this scene? And it's just well, it's a, it shows you how professional and great she is. That she would just keep going with the fly there, but these flies would maybe it was a combination of that, and they just get stuck on you. But it was like a joke. I mean, it was like a it was like a fly person came. Now over. I'll have I to go back and rewatch to see if I could see what takes are fly takes and <laughs> what takes aren't. They're there's, everywhere. There's, yeah, they're I, all over the place, and they're loud. <laughs> I've got to wrap here, but real quick, seeing your fantastic hairline, I'm curious, yeah. what was up with the shaved portion? That was this. Um, that was just Wes. Uh, we were talking about different like looks and um, there was like a slight, like this uh, slight receding kind of shaved idea. And then we tried to, we were going to do it on both, but then he just kept one. And 
I well, as someone whose hairline is really receding, I could tell that that one was fake. Thank you guys <laughs> yeah. so much for your time yeah. today. All right, thank you to Scarlett and Jason for joining us this week. Thank you all for joining us this week as well. Make sure to follow Cade at Cade underscore Onder and myself at Eric underscore Ital and the podcast at Postgred Pod. Please also follow us on Instagram and TikTok as I've been trying to grow those platforms. Next week, we will be back to talk a little Asteroid City, maybe a little Indiana Jones 5, and then, of course, Secret Invasion Episode 2. I am seeing Mission Impossible 7 next Wednesday, so since the embargo has dropped, I could also share some thoughts on that. And leave us a five-star review on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. We will talk to you next week. Peace.